What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. You're tuned in. It is our nationwide search. We're looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining me virtually in the studio, because this entrepreneur is living life where he wants to while he does his work. From Barcelona, I've got Cameron McKay. He is with Process Street. Cameron, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Dude, I'm excited. This has been a podcast episode in the making for quite a bit of time here at Beefy. We are huge fans of Process Street. We are customers of yours. We've paid not only for the software, but for the extra stuff that we love, like, you know, having a Process Street expert that we can contact anytime. She sat down with us, said, we have this many hours. What are your goals? Let's get this thing going and make Process Street even better for you. She did. It was amazing. But I'm not trying to hop into an advertisement for you just yet. Uh, it's just I am excited for this episode because I like having companies on and entrepreneurs on that I like personally and professionally. So I'm excited to speak really highly of your product today, but it's authentic, man. So before I continue down this rabbit hole that I've already started on, we have to start out with an icebreaker question. We start every single episode with one. And today I kind of want to go a little bit deep. You know, usually some of these are uh, kind of funny, happy questions. And, you know, sometimes they're simple, silly, whatever, but this one's kind of deep. And it is, if you had one hour to live, what would you do in your final hour? Uh, I know. I mean, I feel like my answer is going to be really cliche, but it would be spend it with my, my, my wife and my daughter and son. That's Dude, kind of that's, I, 100% that was my answer. And why this question stuck out to me today was, I mean, first of all, let me answer it and say that, yeah, exactly with you, man. I want to spend time with my wife, with my kids. I mean, if any other family and friends would want to be there, more than happy <laughs> to have that too. But I think the most important thing to me is I would want to spend time with my son, my my sons, my daughter, and my wife. And it doesn't necessarily translate for everybody like for you you may get to do quite a bit of this because thankfully you have been able to set yourself up the way that you want to living in Barcelona I'm sure that you prioritize your family first but most American families spend 37 minutes of quality time together each day during the week yeah it's not very much 37 <laughs> minutes a day we spend eight hours plus at work but yeah. with the thing that's most important that us, especially when we talk about men, right? Like, you know, for us, for men, like the majority of the answer on their deathbed is I wish I would have spent more time with my spouse and with my children. And it's like, good God, man, take that time now. Yeah. Like, why are you waiting until your final hour to do that? Do it now and worry about your family and getting that quality time in right now. I mean, I don't even have to read all the stats on it to tell you that, you know, spending time with your children the quality and meaningfulness of that time is so important. Those interactions have a lasting impact on children as they grow into adults, man. Like it is, it is so important for you to have a great home life for your children so that they can grow up to be good people. So yeah, I'm with you, man. That is the one thing that stuck out to me most was like, God, maybe even I need to prioritize more time because yeah. 37 minutes is just now not that we're enough. talking about this. I'm like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta spend more time. <laughs> Yeah. And see, that's the crazy part is no matter where you are in your journey, you can have a very successful company. You can be a very successful CEO, entrepreneur. You can you know work for somebody and have a great job and have a lot of time to spend. And it's like, yeah, I can still audit my time and probably, mm. you know, fix that a little bit, which again, shameless plug here. I mean, software like Process Street, that's exactly what it helps entrepreneurs do. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not trying to like muddy up our deep, impactful conversation here with an ad, but like 100%, if you do a time audit and see where you're spending your time and automate some of those processes, it can really help you to spend more time doing what you need and what you want. Definitely. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Before we hop into it, man, I had to stop and talk about our sponsors. And if you are tired of juggling multiple platforms for your marketing and sales needs, it's time to revolutionize your business operations with Wingman. Wingman is an all-in-one marketing automation software designed by experienced marketers who understand your struggles. It's a game changer that combines the best tools to streamline your communication, automate your workflows, and grow your business. You can capture leads using landing pages, surveys, forms, and more, and you can nurture those leads with personalized messages via voicemail, SMS, emails, and even Facebook Messenger. And you can close those deals with built-in tools to collect payments, schedule appointments, and track analytics. Say goodbye to multiple marketing tools and hello to Wingman. It's your unified platform for all of your business needs. Enhance your online presence, manage your reputation effectively, and cultivate leads effortlessly. If you're ready to take your business to new heights, visit trustyourwingman.com today and let Wingman be your co-pilot to success because every business needs a wingman. But Cameron, we're here to talk about you, man. So the same thing I ask everybody is how'd you get into entrepreneurship? Where'd you come from? Who are you? What's your origin story? Right. Yeah, this is a long story. Um, so I've always been interested in, uh, you know, software engineering since like the day that I understood what a computer was and, you know, having playing video games and using different apps, my mind was kind of blown one day when I talked to my older brother and he told me that like people write like software and that's how it all works. And I was like, mere mortals like me, we could like, you know, create applications. And he was like, yeah, you just, it's like in programming code. Uh, and I remember that just like unlocked my brain when I was like, I want to learn how to do this. Like, I have to know how to do this. Uh, and so one day I picked up a book on Perl and I started just like going through it. And from there I started making like CGI, which is like back in the day, like how you used to do stuff before PHP and, and whatnot. Um, and I started making web pages and then I ended up making web pages for, for some people. And then I like, um, from there, I decided uh, I wanted to start making games with a friend, uh, and we, we did that. And the issue with, with that particular company was that we were both technical and no one wanted to really do the business side. And so we made like a game and we sold like five copies and then, you know, kind of, it kind of pitted out. Uh, and that's kind of when I realized that like, I need to work with somebody who can do the, the, the things that I don't want to do, right? And who actually like really enjoys doing it and ideally like vice versa, you know, they don't really like to do the things that I want to do. So uh, what happened next was basically I had been a freelancer for a while and I decided that I was like sick of being a freelancer and I wanted to uh, start working on a product. And before I did that, I'm like, I'm going to take a month off and I'm going to go and travel to South America because when I start working on this product, I'm not going to have any free time again. And so my first night there, I'm at the hostel in, in Buenos Aires. And I'm sitting beside this guy and we're going around the table, kind of introducing, uh, you know, what kind of jobs we do or what we do, you know, when we're not traveling. And when it gets to my turn, I say that, oh, I'm a, I'm a software engineer. And the guy beside me, like, just like immediately turns to me and he's like, I have this idea for this company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, okay. Cause like, I don't know when you're a software engineer, people always pitch you and they want you to like work for free. <laughs> And, oh, the, yeah. and the majority of the time it's like really bad ideas or not really well thought up, thought through ideas. Right. 
So I started asking questions like, okay, like, what do you want to do? Like, okay, what's like the business model? Okay. Like what are the first steps? Like how we, and every single question I asked, he had like had an answer, right? He's like, actually I have a deck here. I can go through it with you. And I was like, and, uh, that guy turned out to be my co-founder. Um, and we, yeah, we just, we started talking and he's like, you know, you should come, you should come and live in Buenos Aires. I'll, I'll pay for like, you know, the food and the beer and the apartment. And, you know, we'll like have this Sold. <laughs> and we'll have, a, we'll have an equity split, you know? Uh, and you know, like, he's like, what do you have to lose? Right? Like worst case scenario, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll be in Buenos Aires. So I was like, okay, I have my trip to go on I'll think about it. And then I'll, uh, I'll meet you back here in like, you know, a month. So I came back, he took me out to like the most expensive steakhouse in Buenos Aires. And I was like, okay, fine, let's do this. This sounds, this sounds like, you know, a fun adventure at, at the very least. So, uh, so I went back to Canada, that's where I'm from. And, um, yeah, I sold my apartment and, you know, packed my bag. And I, and like in two weeks I was, I was living in Buenos Aires and we were, we were starting to work on what became uh, process street. Um, so it was sort of like, as I was like boarding the airplane to, to go back there, I was sort of like, what, what do I do? I'm going to go and live in like an apartment with this guy. I literally met like, uh, a month ago and I don't know anything about him other than like, we both want to make this software product. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so we started working on it kind of, um, uh, bootstrapping because we didn't have any money. We weren't really, you know, known in the sort of, uh, VC community. So like we couldn't go and raise money or anything because like we're, we're nobody, right? So um, Vinay had a marketing company that he was running on the side. And that's sort of what, where the genesis for Prostitute came from was that he had like, you know, five or six employees. And as every time he tried to scale past that, it became uh, kind of impossible. Like the overhead of checking everyone's work and making sure they were like not uh, going outside the lines and everything was, was, was too much. And he was trying like Asana, he was trying like, you know, anything, just, you know, checklist, other checklist software and stuff like that. And the problem was, is that like, people would always just go outside the lines. If there was an opportunity for them to like, not check a task or put a task in that they just made up or, you know, just do something that like, wasn't anticipated, they would do it. And he's like, I want something where it's just like on rails. It's, it's kind of like Asana, but like, I want to be able to like to, you know, have rich content and I want to be able to make sure that they can't do things that they're not supposed to do. Uh, so we're like, okay, that'll be our first customer. It'll be like your, your marketing company. Cause like, it'll also help your marketing company run better. Right. Uh, and so we started to build the product and I, I basically, I would work for, you know, two months and then I would stop and I would do like a freelance job from one of my old customers to get money again. So I could go out and eat and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, I do the, I do a job for like two, two weeks to a month and come back and start working on the product again. And then Vinay would also work in his marketing company to raise some money so we could, you know, pay for the servers and whatever. Um, so we kind of did that for, uh, about six months. And then we ran into some guys from, uh, startup Chile, which is like a accelerator, uh, incubator in, in Chile, in Santiago. And the thing that attracted us to that one was that they will give you, I think it was 50 K us and take no equity. The only catch was you had to go and live in Santiago for six months. And that was sort of like their plan for, uh, seeding their, uh, you know, entrepreneur community because they're like, we need people aren't, aren't coming here to do it otherwise. So when we just attract them with free money, that's crazy. Yeah. And so we're like, well, that sounds good. I could live in Santiago. It's like not that far from here and you know, we'll have 50 K more. 
Uh, so we, we went and we hired like a, like a videographer and we spent like a day at this warehouse in, in Buenos Aires, just like recording, uh, you know, just hours and hours of sort of different scenes and dialogue. And then we like cut it all together and added in some, you know, app screenshots and whatever. And we, and we submitted it and, and we got in. So we, we kind of packed our bags, ended our lease and, and got on a plane to, to Santiago. Uh, and we kind of, I don't, I, I don't want to like uh, rip into Startup Chile. It, it was like a great, like the people there are great, but it's not like, there's not like a ton of people to learn from there. So um, it was, we, the main benefit for us was like sort of the environment and the money. Uh, and we started to use that and we, we built the product up further. And then at the end of the six months, we, um, we, during that time, we'd been applying to AngelPad and uh, YC, Techstars, all those kind of places. And uh, we basically got invited to pitch to like the MIT investment group in Boston. Uh, and we we're sort of like, well, we're not doing anything here anymore. Like we've, we've kind of blown through this money and we need money to keep going. So we decided to go and do that and see, and see how that went. At the same time, we were in like the final rounds with AngelPad and Techstars London, I think it was. So we're in, <laughs> we go to Boston and we, ha and we have no money still. So we're staying in this like really gross hostel. Like it was like a room with, I don't know, like 30 beds of like smelly, sweaty guys. It's like the middle of the summer <laughs> trying, trying to get some sleep to go to this thing. And it's like, oh man, like how long is this going to be like this? But I don't know, there's sort of, a, you, you know, it's bad, but you're also kind of invigorated by it. You're like, okay, yeah, this is like, this is like the process, right? Like you have to, you know, go through this to get, to get to the thing that you want. Right. So we were there and then we do a call, uh, a final call with Techstars and a final call with AngelPad. And we're pretty sure we're going to get into Techstars and not so sure about AngelPad. And then we get the final decision from Techstars and they're like, no, we're like, oh God. Uh, and then we get the call from AngelPad and he's like, yeah, you guys are in, like, come, come to New York. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. So we, a lifeline that's like 70, 76 more K like, and AngelPad's like one of the top or was one of the top accelerators. I don't think they do it anymore. So, uh, I think we jumped on a plane, maybe we took a train. I can't remember. Somehow we got to New York, uh, and, and this is like, I think where, and like during this time we've kind of gotten some customers, you know, we probably maybe have 10 or 20 at the product. So we've got a little bit of revenue, but like, you know, not enough to really do anything. It's more of a, uh, telling us that we have a little bit of signal, like we're onto something, but like, you know, it's not like, it's, it's not more of a enough. testing ground at this point. Yeah. I guess like a pricing test almost, right? Like that's right. how, that's how we framed it in the end. Cause we just sort of thought, okay, this is not, this is not like quite where we needed to be yet, but, um, it's interesting to know that, that there's some people who are going to pay for it. Yeah. So we got there and AngelCloud was sort of like the big, the big unlock. I think that's where we, we went from being a sort of like wannabe startup to being like a real startup <clears throat> because there it was just like insane. It was like, you know, 18 hour days. And then, you know, if you're not like working on the product, you're like talking to other like it's about 13 companies you're talking to their founders and like teaching telling about your product and then if you're not doing that you're like meeting with all these different people like vcs and you know other companies that have gone through that are successful and everyone's just sort of like brain dumping on you right like 
you're eating pizza and drinking beer and just like learning all the inside track about like, you know, how to present yourself, like how to think about the market, all kind of things. Um, so that was about three months there. And then after that, you're sort of just like set free, right? It's like now, now you start your real fundraise, like, cause now you have like some social proof, <clears throat> like when an investor sees AngelPad, they, they will talk to you because like, you've been like mm. de-risked a bit, right? So like now when your email comes in the email box, you're not just like thrown in the, in the sort of like, who's this guy pile, but like at least listen to your pitch. Like most of the time they yeah. won't do anything, but they'll at least talk to you. And that's like a huge game changer. And I think that's like one of the, the big values of, of getting into one of the big uh, accelerators is that like, that'll get your foot in the door. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so basically we, you know, we started a fundraise, we got a bunch of meetings at first and then I sort of put it out. We were going to all the meetings together. Uh, and that was really good at the beginning. Cause uh, you know, I could give Vinay feedback on, you know, how I thought the, the investors were uh, responding to different things we said. And, um, but I got to a point where it's just like, okay, I don't think I'm adding a lot of value. And like, we have all these things that we need to do in the product to help us raise. And so he's like, okay, fine. I'll go to the meetings and you stay in our hotel and like basically code all day. So we did that for a bit, but then it was getting harder to get meetings. So then they had an idea, uh, at the time AngelList was, um, a social network for, you know, entrepreneurs and VCs and angels and all that kind of stuff. And they had an API. <clears throat> so we started scraping the API. It wasn't scraping, I guess we're using the API and we just generate like this giant list, uh, of potential investors based on like their categories. And then I wrote a script that would basically, um, queue up these emails in like a drip marketing thing. And then we would just fire it off like hundreds. Right. Uh, and basically it would come back into at the time there's this product called X.AI, which is sort of like a virtual, uh, assistant, like, but a real virtual one, like, and, uh, it would, it would come into that. And then basically like the investor would talk to the robot and like, it, they'd get like a, a, uh, time scheduled. And then Vinay would every day would just look at his calendar and it would just like be all filled in with all these from like the sort of automated lead generation, I guess, thing that we came up and, with. And what year was this? This must've been like seven years ago or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So before. Before, before, cause now all these things are commonplace. Like people are probably listening to this and they're like, well, yeah, I know about all this, but this was a time where this would have required manual labor on your part. I mean, I say manual labor, like obviously you would have to go in and, and write all this stuff yourself. Besides yeah. the fact that you're, you're that, you know, coding software engineer guy. So you, you could kind of make up your own way before it was such an easy path now. Yeah. Like I remember when we were talking about people at the time and no one was doing this and we were sharing like the code with like our friends and stuff, <clears throat> our close friends, million dollar code. Yeah. We didn't like, we're like, maybe we should make this product. Right. <laughs> well, and, and that is kind of incorporated into the product now, right? The, the, I mean, with the automation that, sending emails out at yeah, least that part's in one there. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We don't have it like a drip. Uh, you have to use like another right. product for that. But that's an interesting idea. Like uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I think, you know, we, so we started doing that. Vinay was doing probably like, you know, seven or eight meetings a day. Luckily at the time it was like when Uber pool was introduced, 
And so like every single Uber was like seven bucks no matter where you went. And so we were using that. And so we just got lucky and, you know, he met a bunch of interesting people uh, on the way doing that. But um, probably about after, I don't know, 200 meetings, maybe we, we finally like got a, a, a like a, a good lead with uh, what ended up being uh, Blackbird, like one of our, our main investors. And uh, we were in like the final stages with them. And uh, yeah, and then we ended up closing like six figures with them. And that was like, we entered like a new age kind of, you know, yeah. cause now we had money and uh, now we could a pay ourselves like very meager salaries, but we could pay ourselves salaries. So we, I, I didn't have to work a second job. Um, and, um, and we had, a, then we could start hiring people. It was just at this point, Vinay, myself, and uh, a, a VA in India that Vinay had worked with for ages and who became like an employee of the, of the company. Um, so we're like, okay, we don't have a lot of money. <laughs> we're, I'm a Canadian, he's an Australian. So we have to go somewhere. We can't stay in the US any longer. Like, you know, so we decided to move from, uh, at this point we were in San Francisco. We decided to move to uh, Cancun. Cause we're like, it's got an easy airport to get to. So if we have to come back to the States, it's like, there's going to be direct flights pretty much to most major places. So we packed our bags and uh, got like a, like a penthouse apartment by the, by the water there. And uh, that was also our office, right? We got like one that had like enough space that we could set up an office in one of the rooms. And then we, uh, yeah, started to build like our initial team. And uh, so that's when I had a transition from being just a software engineer into uh, a manager. And that was like a, a rough transition. Like, I feel like, I feel like I, I, I've gotten there now, but that was mostly due to like reverse mentoring where like, I, you know, later on we hired a director of engineering and he basically like reverse engineered or reverse mentored me into a good engineering manager. Um, yeah. So then I had to like, Vinny was like, Hey, you got, you got to hire like, uh, like two engineers. And I was like, I don't know how to hire anyone. I've never hired anyone in my life. I don't even know like <laughs> what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to ask. And he's like, well, find someone you want to work with. And so I did a whole bunch of research and made some questions and then, you know, started interviewing some people. Um, and yeah, we eventually hired, uh, who he's not with us anymore, but was with the company for about, I don't know, six years. <clears throat> as like our, uh, our engineering lead and then another engineer. Um, and then while we we're doing that, I was like, I was giving them tasks. I didn't even cause like my, my background story before that, I was like, I was a, a freelancer. So I was always working on my own or in like mm -hmm. small teams, but like we never used things like Jira or any sort of issue tracking, even though it was obviously free in GitHub and stuff like that. So, um, so then, yeah, I was, I was giving one of the engineers her, uh, tasks in like Wonderlist or something. And then one of the, the guy, one of the guys that came in, he's like, no, 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 this is not going to do like, we have to, we have to set up like Jira and, and all this stuff. So anyway, um, after we'd closed like Blackbird, then like the sort of dominoes, like sort of while we're in Cancun, dominoes started to fall and, um, other, other people who are waiting for like a lead, you know? saw that we had a lead. And so we closed a bit more money. And then, uh, 
Yeah, we started building the product out. And uh, along the way, I, uh, I decided to move back to Canada for a bit to kind of recharge. And uh, Renee moved to Mexico City. And then we started to get some, some decent traction with uh, some pricing changes that we made. We had like a new plan, like a premium plan. And uh, yeah, we got enough growth that we could start to raise another round. And so we raised like a second seed basically, and then cut our numbers a bit. And then after I didn't think of like two years, we, we did our series A. And then that was, that was like the second or the next big unlock because the series A money was like significantly more than any of the seed money that we had had. And so at this stage, and like, and we got like a, a like a really named brand investor, like Excel, which is like one of the top in an, uh, uh, founder friendly, I guess, in, investors. And in that case, now we had to hire like a whole bunch of VPs and stuff. And that was like interesting. So all of a sudden we had like another layer of management and like all, all these other things going on at once and like these big marketing campaigns and all that kind of stuff. So, and then, uh, then the market crashed <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, we had to like shrink a little bit to like sort of, uh, you know, get, get burned under control. And now, yeah, since then, like we've been slowly, uh, growing back up again and, uh, yeah, things are, things are going well and the apps, you know, getting more and more featureful. We've been like spreading out into like a more, a more multi-product, uh, solution with, uh, forms and data sets and, uh, and a few other like workflows. I'm missing one pages. That's the one, uh, to sort of like cover all the ground uh, and basically through conversations with the customers and where we see like people using the product. So that kind of gets you up to date. I don't know if you wanted that whole story, but <laughs> yeah, no, okay. it's, it's awesome to hear these kinds of stories because so many entrepreneurs have so much in common with a story like that, you know, where it's like great idea. We need money. You bootstrap it. We don't have somebody just funding us everything that we want, but what's different is the in-between for everybody, the steps that they go through, the things that they see and do. And I mean, it sounds like a fun way, you know, traveling through Cancun and uh, all these different places, going back home to Canada and, you know, all this stuff to kind of make it happen. But I'm sure it wasn't fun in the moment. In the moment, you know, you're probably scared the whole time. Yeah, I like definitely have like, you know, distinct memories. Cause like when we were in San, uh, San Francisco, there's also like also close calls too, where we almost raised and then at the last second, you know, didn't get it. And it's just like, Oh my God, like, are we going to do this for like six months? And then at the end have nothing to show for it, you know? Um, yeah. and then I'm sure that happens. Like, I know it happens all the time. Right. Um, I wouldn't really say that it's like, you have nothing to show. Cause I think if you spend like six months or a year fundraising, you learn a lot. Right. And then like, sure. A lot of times those same entrepreneurs, they go out again and you know, they use those learnings in their next company. Right. And their contacts. Failure is the yeah. only guarantee in this business. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but I remember like, so to save money, Vinay and I, like we shared a hotel room that had like two uh, double beds. And um, I remember just sitting there being like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Like, I'm just, you know, just this person's like right next to me, like all the time. And like, we're always talking about the business and it's just like, it's too much. Like it's, it's a lot. Um, but in the end, like, you know, you go to sleep, you wake up the next day, you've got like some things to work on and uh, you know, you get back into it. You remember like, you know what you enjoy about it and it's just like an adventure right so i mean 
I think I was fortunate that like, I always knew that like, if I failed, I could just go back home to my parents and like, you know, regroup and then like, you know, start again. But, um, that, I think that's my particular situation that I don't think every, everyone has that, uh, advantage, but. Sure. But the thing is there's always the entrepreneurial mindset is that I'm going to push as hard as I can for as long as I can and know that there's always going to be an out because I can get through it. So it doesn't matter, you know, like somebody like me who's on entrepreneurial journeys all the time. I don't have parents to fall back on, even when I was younger and just starting out doing the things I did because my parents passed away at an early age. I don't have rich family. You know, I come honestly from nothing. Like we had great times in our life. And then we also had some really poor times in my life. And then I've lost quite a bit of family members. And you're right. Like my situation if I was your age doing the same thing at the same time would have been a very different situation if everything would have failed and I would have gone back to zero. Mm-hmm. But I think what sets the entrepreneur apart from, you know, and no offense to them, but the, the people who want to line up at McDonald's, Walmart, Dollar General, or any other store that's in your area to go get a job and work for that company, what sets the entrepreneur apart is they're not afraid to fail. And it doesn't mean that they never have that fear because I'm sure there's some times where you were probably sucking up seats because you were so scared that, Hey, if this fails, like you said, for six months, I've done this and had nothing, but it's like knowing that through it all, you're going to make it because failure is not the end all be all result that you're comfortable with. So you're going to pick up and get back to it. That's something you said that stuck out to me was entrepreneurs know we have to push through and it's hard when we're in that moment. I mean, that's something I've recently gone through where it's like, man, this is it. Like we're going to be done you know, and if something doesn't change and then somehow, no matter what you believe, it's like something always happens, whether it's fate or God or whatever the case may be that kind of pushes you to that point that you needed. It seems in my life, at least that's been my experience. So I don't know, there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs out there right now that are like, man, in one month, I've got nothing to show for everything I did. But it's like, yeah, but what are you going to learn from that? And then when you move on, where are you going to go? Because like I said, the only thing that's guaranteed is failure, you're going to fail. It's just what are you going to fail in? And how are you going to handle it? Right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, that's the thing It's like, when you say like, oh, yeah, what I would have to show for it. But it's like, you, you tried, like, I think that's like, you're already doing a lot more like most people are way too afraid to even take that step right of yep. like trying to do their own business and like whatever whenever anyone starts you don't know what you're doing i know i didn't even like i didn't even like have plan like when i planned to do a product i was planning to join like another person's startup i didn't i wasn't planning to be the founder it just like that's what happened and i was like you know this is an opportunity i can't pass up this is this seems like you know it could be a lot of fun it also worked out in the in the, the sense that vinay and i really got along and became like best friends along the way and had a lot of little adventures and, you know, experiences together. So, but even when we were like, yeah, starting to feel like, oh, maybe we're not gonna be able to raise. We were talking about other companies that we do. It's like, okay, fine. We'll go back and we'll like, here's some other ideas that we've been thinking of that we could do. Right. And now we've, you know, we know, we, we know what kind of text we want to use. We know like, kind of like, will we change this time if we built it to save a lot of time, uh, that kind of stuff. So and I think that's why like, you know, serial entrepreneurs, like the second time, they just seem to like move so much quicker, right? Because they've, they've gone through and they've made all the mistakes. I was going to say, you've already yeah. made those mistakes. Yeah. You're, you're just like, oh yeah, you know what I would do if I, there's so many things in process street where I would be like, if I was doing this today, I would use a completely different approach because I'm just like, you know, it worked out and it's fine. But like, now that I see how that decision works out, 
there's there's ones I would like to do instead, right? This is, yeah. How much yeah. money could I have saved? How much hassle could I have saved? How many headaches would I have not had? Yeah. Yeah, like features that were built that like you learn later that you could have done in a week if you used like this product that you didn't know existed. <laughs> uh, those kind of things happen a lot, right? I'm just like when I'm searching, I'm like, come on, find that exact product I want. Because like, yeah, for us, one of the things we identified early was like what we call like sassing it out. Is that like, if you can find a product that's like, that's the only thing that they do, that's going to always be better than building it in house because they're just going to keep improving it, improving it. And even if it costs like 20 grand a year or even like, you know, 40 or 50, whatever, right? Like depend, depending on like how valuable it is to what you're trying to do, but an engineer costs, you know, minimum, like about a hundred grand, right? Like yeah. uh, d- depending on where they are in the world and their, their sort of experience level. So like, it's still going to be cheaper and like you don't have to keep like, you know, cycling that person, like that company's dealing with all that. They're, they're just sitting there like with product people dedicated to that. So for us, it was like, yeah, if we can find something that does that, we're just going to integrate with that or like use that library or like what, or whatever, right. Instead of building it ourselves. And I think that served us really well for keeping the team small and, you know, delivering a lot of value for uh, like a lower price. A hundred percent, man. I mean, it's, it's an old saying, but it's not something people will remember often whenever they're in the moment and need to. And that's why reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. If yeah, it's exactly. already there, it's already proven, it's already working, make it work better for you or make it work in that system for you. I mean, we're the kings of that around here. You know, we've got so many different softwares that we, it's a budget line item, how much we pay for software every single month and every single year. And every single one that's on there is never going to come off of that budget because it is so like important for us to have these things in place. I mean, talking about mistakes, that's something that beefy marketing has learned when Andrew was kind of solopreneuring it up kind of um, with a very small team and doing marketing stuff, which was mainly focused on the creative side. And then he realized pretty quickly when you don't have something like process street in place and you don't have systems, processes and automations for what you're doing. And then you're the guy or the girl that's the head of all of this stuff, and it all falls on you, you're going to forget something. You're going mm-hmm. to leave something out that was important. You're not going to have it. And and there's plenty of solutions out there, to-do lists and everything else. But like you said, it's so easy to circumvent it, even if you're trying to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. You know how many times I've had a to-doist, to-do list on my phone and on my computer where I'm putting everything into to-doist that I need to do, and then it just gets ignored. Because it's like, well, I'm too busy with this or the notification pops up, I get it out of my face. And then it's like, well, cool. But with Process Street, especially because it's tied to the most important parts of our business, the things that we do, the sales process and the creation process, it's like, I'm getting emailed, I'm getting, you know, notifications, I'm getting everything that I need through the app of, hey, we're in that next step. And now it requires you or it's assigned to someone on the team and just keeps me updated so that in a flash, I can just take a look and be like, okay, I sold this website client. Now the client's asking me, hey, where are we at in the website process? Even though we have other people that are responsible for those parts of the process, I can easily just go back Mm -hmm. and give that answer to my client. And that's not something we could do for a very long time until we had that system set in place. So it's like, yeah, why go out there and try to come up with and drum up with some way to handle it on our own and waste all this time and energy doing that when someone has a solution especially the ones that are cost-effective solutions, man, you should take advantage of those like crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And it's like, 
the alternative is usually like, yeah, you're digging through like 20 different emails and trying to like cross-reference yep. the threads. And you're like, okay, I think that, you know, Jim did this and like CDs did that, but like, that's not convincing to a customer, right? You're like, um, yeah. And the other thing too, is like, we're talking to like, you know, hundreds of different customers and like hearing all the ways that they're having issues and like, we're incorporating all that learning into the product, right? Versus like, you know, if you're trying to do it yourself, you just have like one experience to like draw from. So I think that like, that's the same thing with every SaaS product, right? Like they're, they're specialists, right? So a hundred percent. Yeah. So what is it, you know, obviously the product changes so often, it's even something that I've seen in the two or three years that I've been using it, where it's like, Oh, we got this new tool rolled out, especially, I think everyone is well aware that every single thing we use in our life is changing mm -hmm. now, thanks to integration of AI, you know, whether it's through an API, like something we can do with, you know, Zapier and process street and all these different softwares working together through that API and adding AI into it, or just, you know, like Google's going the route with Bard of integrating it into every product that they have with Google so that you can use it even on a consumer side, not necessarily on the business side, but what makes process street different today than your traditional to-do list that you put together? Yeah. I mean, one of the ways I like to describe it is it's sort of like a to-do list on rails in a sense, um, where like we were talking about earlier, right? Like you, you can't go to the lines, like you can enforce like the order, you can say who has to do it. You can say like what fields need to be filled out. Um, so that there's that aspect. And the other aspect is like the repeatability, right? So like it works especially well on processes that you, you know, that you're going to be doing over and over again. And, uh, well, I guess that's the definition of process, right? But, um, that, that was sort of like one of the insights we had as we started to build this was that like, I think a lot of people think that the things that they're doing in a company are, are a project, right? So I was like, oh, we're hiring someone. It's a project. We need to, you know, we have the project to hire like, you know, our new CS person or something. But in reality, you're hiring people all the time. That's actually a process. And so like when you go and you say like, each time I'm going to do a project for this thing, that's actually a process. You're like, taking all that work that you did and like throwing it out. Right. And then starting all over again. Whereas like with the process, it's like, okay, we have our initial one. And then as we run it each time, we're like improving it and like taking our learnings. And so by the time you get to like, you know, the 10th time you run that process, it's, it's, it's well oiled, right. It's taken into account like all these different sort of like, uh, you know, issues that have popped up or different paths that they can take. Uh, and now when like a, a new person coming, who's never ever done like the hiring process, they can, they can see all that when they run it. Right. And they don't have to like necessarily have been trained. Right. So that's to me, like where I see like the, the big advantage of, of a process oriented approach versus like uh, a, a project oriented approach, which is what, again, I think what people are most familiar with because like, I don't think necessarily it's in the consciousness as much the idea of like process management, maybe in, in, in huge companies, because in huge companies, like they have no choice. They have to have had a built process or they can't get to that big. Right. But I think there's, it's, it's still making its way down into like sort of, uh, you know, the, the SMB and mid market space, uh, where it's like, oh yeah, process is like really important and it actually makes your business run like more efficiently and like with fewer errors. Right. So how, how truly customizable is process street? Cause that is one thing that I've noticed just a touch because I'm, I'm more involved with process street on the utilizing it and getting these projects done so that I've got my three or four steps in the beginning after I make a sale and then everything goes to the appropriate party after I'm done. So I don't, I'm not 
totally involved in building it. I was a little bit involved and I totally forgot our rep's name and I feel so bad because she is such a sweetheart. Is she is so Beth good at what she does. Or I cannot remember okay. at all, but she sat down with us for a few hours and I was in on some of those calls with Andrew. Cause I do some stuff outside of the sales rep side of things too, every now and then. Um, but what I do love about it is the fact that there are so many things you can change and set up for your unique point of view, I guess is the best way to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, but some of those things too include like when you do hire somebody and they are working from the outside on this new project, or maybe you kind of reassign, you know, butts in different seats so that that person can take over and start doing some more fulfillment side or whatever the case may be. They may not be 100% familiar with that process and why we do what we do. And I've noticed that Andrew has, you know, videos and some text-based instructions inside of each step that tells you like, hey, if you don't know how to do this, watch this video and I'll train you mm -hmm. to where it kind of frees up his time to not have to train every single person on every single task. If you've never seen it before, you could probably get the gist of it by watching the video. Yeah. No, I mean, like you can, it's, it's within each task. So it's like a checklist oriented, like metaphor, I would say. Uh, so if you're familiar with like a sauna or whatever, like it looks superficially similar to that. The difference is like, yeah, in each task, you can add any sort of metadata, so, or not metadata, sorry, any sort of rich media. So you can have like, you know, videos, images, text, uh, form fields, you know, drop downs, link data sets, email widgets that can send out like an email when you click them or when the task is completed. Um, so that's just within a particular task. And then you can also do things like branching logic, right? So if, you know, I have a sales workflow and if the deal's over a certain size, then I can say like, make sure to include an approval from, you know, your sales manager or something like that. But if not, then that step can just be like removed. It doesn't even show, right? So there's that, there's approvals. So you can make sure that like everything that you're doing is being, you know, reviewed by the appropriate people and all that. And everything that you're doing is like, there's an audit trail, right? So like, like you said, you can go back, you can see who did it, when they did it, you know, any comments they might've had or like, uh, insights, things like that. Um, and then all this stuff is, is like, can be automated and with any tool that you want. Right. So if you, if you connect to Zapier, you can get any app within Zapier. We also have a number of native automations with things like, uh, Salesforce and Jira. So for example, internally, we do a bug process where it asks a bunch of questions and make sure you fill out a certain detail before it, it creates a ticket. Um, so yeah, it's, it's essentially like, because it's, you know, it, in the space we call no code, right. It's essentially like almost infinitely customizable. It just really depends on like, you know, what your needs are. Right. But also when I say infinitely customizable, it doesn't mean that like, it's impossible to like figure out how to use. Like one of the big things that we've like, uh, concentrated on is making it easy to use. And so like, even though there's a lot of like functionality, it's sort of like layered so you can be, um, productive right away. And then as you sort of like, you know, need some sort of functionality that you, that, that, that um, that you don't know about, you sort of like reach for it and you're like, okay, I need to like make this branching. And you're like, oh, conditional logic's here. Oh, I need this to have a due date, like relative to like the task before. It's like, oh, dynamic due dates, right? Oh, I need to pull in someone else. Like, oh, you know, assignments. So uh, we've tried to make it so that like, as you reach for something that you need, you know, it's there, but it's not like overwhelming and like trying to like force itself into your face kind of thing. Yeah. Right. I think 
and you know, I'm, I'm not saying this to ever disparage any company because they're all great. I mean, I've had CRM platforms on this show. I've had um, people like yourself that have just software that you can utilize in your business and all that kind of stuff. And every single one of them has a unique selling proposition that's that makes them great. You know, like comparing Asana and HubSpot and like all these different CRM or planning and task management softwares together. It's like, they've all got their own unique thing that makes them best for whatever company is out there. You know, process street is probably not the best for every single company that exists in the world. Um, but there's probably parts of every single software that makes sense for each part of that company. But what I love about process street is that it does seem kind of, it can be anything from as simple as a to-do list all the way up to as complex as a, a CRM like, and again, not, not that it does what HubSpot does because it's a totally different product, but you can do a lot of things that HubSpot incorporates into process street to the point that you can get as robust as a system like that. Mm -hmm. But then again, like you said, for that beginner, that's just getting their feet wet and wants to try and figure out how to put a process in place. This is something that can be as simple as just, writing a to-do list out for every single process that you have. And then you just click the boxes as you do it. If you're a solopreneur yeah, all the way up to, I've got multiple teams where there's conditional logic, there's things popping up. They're going to happen looking at the steps that happened before that kind of like what you mentioned where, you know, it can say, cool. If Andrew has gone in and looked at this task and completed this portion of the task, but it opens something else back up that John needs to look at, it can almost like create a whole nother task for John to go back and say, okay, well now I need to be involved in this again with the customer, even though typically on that same process, it wouldn't open that up unless that one thing pops up that says I need to be there. And to me, that kind of stuff just makes it so much more streamlined to where Andrew doesn't have to make a call with me. I don't have to call him and consult with him. Like it just happens. It's just there. And so you, you don't have this, this block of, well, it's too complicated to get into. I don't want to build this out for my company because I don't think I can learn it. Like you said, it grows with you and scales with you on what you need. But the best part about this is something I've been alluding to, which is if I don't know exactly what I need to do, how much support does your team offer for me as an entrepreneur when I'm like, you know what, I'm in a roadblock. I'm about to just not use this platform at all. What can I do to come to you to kind of get some assistance on making it better for me? Yeah, I mean, we have a, an amazing support team that are available like in live chat, you know, 24-5. So like, that's always a good resource. Um, we have a help site that we actually use internally as well. And so we try to keep it like as up to date as possible. So that like, even if someone within the company is like, I'm not familiar with that feature, like, and then like in our help doc isn't good enough, then like we, we go and we like rewrite it because like we want it to be as good as, as good as like we would use internally. Um, so there, there's that. And then like, you know, depending on your needs, we also have uh, a solutions consulting team. And so that basically you have, you know, like a process street expert, someone who builds like processes all day long for all these different companies and they can come in and they can basically like, you know, set it up for you. And like, it, it depends on what you want too, right? If you want us to set it up so that you can, can take over and completely manage it yourself, we'll build it in a way that we think is going to be easiest for you to, to manage it with like, sort of like your, your, your skill level with processes and, and, and such. If you want it to be built to be like, you know, the most advanced use of process street possible, we can do it that way too, where we'll, we'll, we'll keep managing it for you, but you'll have the sort of like, you know, uh, intensely magical experience. Like we're happy to do that. Like we basically adjust to, you know, your expectations and needs, uh, if, if you're dealing with solutions consulting. 
So there's a lot of options and they sort of like, you know, scale up depending on uh, like the, the level you need and like the size of your company. Yeah, it, it seems like with Zapier, especially if, if your company has Process Street and Zapier, y'all are even able to use these third party integrations to help us accomplish the tasks that we want to accomplish. You know, I've seen ChatGPT pulled into our processes so that some of these things are kind of automated in the way that it responds. And then, like you said, you know, it's something where I can either shoot off that email automatically to go to the client to say, hey, fill out this onboarding form, or I can just copy and paste that into my own email and send it natively through my email, yeah. you know, company or software that I like. Um, and it's just, it's cool how they're available. And I looked her up just because I, I did not want to leave this show without giving Brianna Lutz some love, but Brianna is our associate solutions consultant. I don't know if that's what she still is. I mean, it was back in like March, I think when we had a really big overhaul with process street, because what we realized was we're really good at utilizing technology the way that we need to, but sometimes these tasks do get very complex and Brianna came in and it was like she was speaking a different language to us because we had no idea some of the things she was doing and then some stuff we could kind of keep up with. But you're right. They're like magicians when it comes to this, because as you said, that's all they do every single day versus us who maybe once a week go in and try to make this thing work better for us. So when we gave her the information that we wanted this product to do, it was just like, boom, here it is. It's back. I understand where you wanted to go with it. Now tell me what changes you want made from here. And it's, it's good to go. The product is here for you. Yeah. Sometimes when I watch the videos they make, I'm like trying to figure out how they did it. Cause like I, <laughs> I built, I built the software and I'm like, how did you do that? Like we don't have that feature and I have to like sort of like reverse engineer, like what they've done. And they're like, Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so it's, they're, they're wizards for sure. With it makes me feel better that at least like the guy who built it, you know, the one of the fathers of the program <laughs> is at least in the same boat as we are sometimes because we're we're pretty technologically savvy. Like we we can figure out most things and reverse engineering is one of our favorite things to do is just figure out like, how did they do that? You mm -hmm. know, because there's not a podcast for everything uh, that you can just listen to and hear how somebody built it. So sometimes we have to do that, but it's time consuming. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest selling point for Process Street is that time is our greatest asset. It's our most valuable asset. And especially when you're talking about a founder, a CEO, or a high-level corporate executive whose time is worth quite a bit of money, literally, because it costs money for them to work. But then mm -hmm. on the same token, that is an opportunity cost. There's phantom costs always that are involved in things. So it's like, how expensive is it really for the CEO of a company and you know the vice president of sales to sit down and focus on building out Process Street to work perfectly for them? It's like, cool, maybe we can knock it out in a day, but how much did that really cost your company? So then when you think about paying somebody who can do twice as much or three times as much as you would do in that one day in a couple of hours, Mm -hmm. it's really a no brainer that it's worth the cost. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to the, the, the SaaS thing, right? It's just sort of like, you know, once you, st when you're, when you're like, money rich, time poor kind of, you know, when you're young, yeah. you're, you're, you're uh, time rich and money poor. So like, yeah, spending your time on this kind of thing. Sure. But when, as you get like further along, you know, then you're like, okay, I'm trying to like save as much time as I can. And I, I can like spend a bit more on that. Right. Then it totally makes sense. Right. Um, you're just, it's, it's going to be done faster and it's probably going to be done, you know, using all the, like the latest features in the correct way. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, tell us what kind of 
customers you're looking for, if there are customers you're not looking for, you know, how do I know if Process Street's a good fit for me? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, technically, because because of it being a no code product, it actually any any business I think can benefit from it. I mean, that, that doesn't really tell any of like the listeners like, okay, does that apply to my business? What we see like uh, a lot of success in, in in a lot of companies is like employee onboarding, offboarding, uh, client onboarding. So like when you sign like a new a new customer and you know you want to make sure that you've done everything in the right order, you don't miss a step, you don't drop any balls. It works really well, uh, extremely well in, in in those cases. But one of the cool things about Process Street is like you might have like an initial case that you come in on, and then you you end up just using it for like. 10 other things in your, in your, in your business. Right. And like, that's what we do internally. Right. We just use it for everything because it's just, it's, it's, it's that kind of tool where once you, once you get the idea, it just like, oh shit, like everything, uh, you know, that I've been doing manually, I don't have to do that anymore. Right. It's like a big unlock. So yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of software companies use us for like it processes, um, you know, like, provisioning servers, like deployments, um, you know, VCs use us for onboarding new, new, uh, new companies, things like that. Um, we have like a drone company that like uses it for, uh, for onboarding, but also for like their deployments of like their drones and things like that. So it, it pretty much, you know, uh, it can be used anywhere. Yeah. But I, I find like, yeah. The best places are like, you know, high, high cost processes where like mistakes are, are, are very, very costly mm -hmm. uh, or things that you're just running often that you want to make sure like are done the right way. Right. Uh, and I guess like the third one is there's a lot of cases where it's just like knowledge capture. Right. Maybe you don't run that process very often, but when you do, you have to like basically re re figure it out each time. And so like, I'm so happy when I go to do something like a certificate renewal or, or something and I've made a process and something that was going to take me like six hours is going to take me 10 minutes now because like I've got all the steps there. Right. So those, those are like the general use cases. Yeah. It's crazy how, like you said, things can be so customized that you can kind of find a reason to use it for anything. But one that stuck out to me was like you said, any company can use it because if you hire people, then you could use this as your onboarding for new hires. Yeah. It's as simple as that, where that you can put in, like you said, the rich media that you can put in there, you know, videos, welcome videos, how to videos, the text documents that they need, all of these different things, including uploading, you know, documents you need signed so that you have a process in place for making sure that all those documents are submitted. I mean, that's a big thing for us is there's so many different types of projects we have going on sometimes that it's easy, even if I've run something a million times, it's easy for me to oversee or to, to overlook, I should say, a, a certain part of the process where it's like, crap, I forgot to get this from the client. And mm -hmm. then now for me, you know, it may not be a huge deal, but now it's like, oh my God, now I have to go back. Or God forbid you wind up one day at the point where somebody wants to cancel a contract or something. And then you're like, holy crap, I didn't get a contract signed. And it's like, if we would have had Process Street, and had that in place, then we know that it would have been signed before we move forward because that is a step in our process that says, make sure you have a signed agreement, make sure the customer has paid all of these things before you start the work. So you're right, it could be very costly for you. And yeah. where something may be a thousand or five thousand dollars a year, 
And it's like, man, that's expensive. It's like, cool. But how much was that one mistake you made? Yeah. I mean, that one mistake cost you 10 grand. Well, guess what? Now you can afford to pay for 10 years of our startup service because yeah. <laughs> of one mistake. Yeah. No, another one that we use it for actually uh, uh, is for SSO. Like sometimes, uh, a lot of times people get SSO is because they want to make sure that they like offboard everybody from all the different tools and they don't want to forget. Right. And so you, you, mm. you get it for that. But like a, one way when you're like an earlier company is that you can, you just basically make sure you have all your vendors like documented well, and then you just have one step for each vendor and you check for that user in every single one. Uh, and it's like, it's a little bit more work executing it than it would be, but like it can save you like a ton of money. Um, of not having to go and, and buy an enterprise plan at every single, um, uh, SaaS product that you use. Right. So, yeah. So yeah. And that, that's just for us. That's just our offboarding. Right. Uh, just making sure like for that, for, for SOC 2 compliance, like, we actually, we need to have that, right? So like, we need to have this document that we went and like made sure to turn off all these different things. Uh, we need to make sure that we, we showed that we, you know, uh, did our exit interview and all those kind of things. So for, for compliance, it's, it's incredible. Like we, we just have like our, our compliance is basically on autopilot now because we just have a bunch of scheduled workflows that run all these different times. And then like, you know, they just remind us, oh yeah, you need to do this for SOC 2. You need to make sure you do your, uh, you know, employee performance reviews because like you need this for SOC 2. So it's pretty cool. Cause like it takes a little bit of work to set it up the first time, but after that, it's like, okay, this is nothing now. This, this thing that used to be like so annoying and like take up like two months of our work is, yeah. is something that, that we just don't have to think about anymore. Right. So it truly, yeah. it, it streamlines everything. Yeah, it makes I mean, it a lot easier. It's not that you're doing less, you're just having to think about it less and put less effort into it because it's, it's serving that stuff up for you. It's literally, it doesn't just tell me, okay, John, you need to collect this onboarding questionnaire from your client. Now, it literally says you need to get this onboarding form. But here's the form. Here's how you fill it out. Here's what each question means and what you should ask in order to make sure you're answering it correctly. And you can just send this form to the client if you want them to fill it out. Or if you want to have an onboarding phone call or Zoom call, you can fill it out with them right here. And then it's like, once you hit submit, it all goes to the correct person. And now the designer gets it assigned, takes a look at this onboarding form and starts designing the website or whatever thing we're mm -hmm. talking about. Now, on these shows, man, it's so hard in 30, 45 minutes to an hour to get all the information that you want about a, a product. You know, this is for the listeners. I just want to say that we have only barely scratched the surface of what process street can do for you, what it means, you know, the things that you can customize this thing to do the use cases for it. And like you said, you're finding new use cases every single day when somebody gets their hands on it and puts it in touch or puts it into play in a different way. But the important thing here is for those who are considering it, which everyone should be, what is a good way for me to get in touch with you, get in touch with process street? Do you have a free trial? Do you have any special offers? Like how do I figure out if process street is something that I need in my life? Yeah. So, I mean, the best, the best place to start is, you know, www.process.st process street. Uh, that's our website. Uh, you can watch, you know, some, some demo videos there and you can request a demo uh, in terms of, plans. We have a startup plan for companies of under 10 employees for hundred bucks a month. Um, and that, that includes five seats. That's a great, if you're a smaller company, that's a great starting point. Um, and what was the other question about it? Best place to learn. 
Yeah, best place to like just kind of learn and see if it's a good fit for me. I think y'all offer a oh, free yeah. trial. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah, we have, a, we, have a, yeah. we have a two week free trial, which includes the, the full product. So you, you can try out everything and get a sense if it's for you. I think it is. It's probably going to be for you. Yeah. But, uh, de- <laughs> but definitely, yeah, give it a try. And like if you ever get stuck or anything, you know, our, our support team is, is super, super friendly, super helpful. They, they want you to be successful. So don't be afraid to, to reach out. Um, and, you know, if you're a bigger company and you want to get like a more, uh, a bigger demo, you can reach out to, to our sales team. We have a request demo form. You'll be routed to, to somebody that can help you and, and show you basically the, the best way to use the product with your business. Yeah. Man, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing this stuff. I know that, you know, as a product that or a service that I love and something that I use and something I support, it can sound more like a commercial or infomercial while you're listening to this episode right now. But let me tell you, it's not unwarranted and it's not without reason. Process Street truly, I would not say this unless I really meant it. And I will 100% say too that Process Street is not paying to be on the show. They have not paid me for any type of endorsement. Not that my endorsement matters to anybody. Um, but I'm just saying that this is 100% honest opinion from myself that if you haven't checked out Process Street before, this is something you need to look at because here at Beefy Marketing, man, we swear by it. We refer it to people all the time. It's a great product and I think it will fit for anybody. So thank you so much for being on the show, taking your time today. I know, again, time is a valuable asset and it took you you know, there's a cost for you being on the show today. And <laughs> you, the fact that you're not doing what you want to do in Barcelona right now, except being on this podcast. So I appreciate it, man. No, thank you for the kind words about the, the software. Like I'm delighted that you, you, you get so much value from it. Um, yeah, that's great. Absolutely. And listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in for another episode of Small Business Origins. We cannot thank you enough. I wouldn't do the show if it wasn't for you. There'd be no point, right? So without you as a listener being here, this thing would be worthless to me. And I mean, not really, because it's still fun. But I love having people that actually tune in because it's like, hey, I'm doing this podcast for a reason. So the only other ask I would have of you is please go check out our guests, all of our past guests, including the one you're listening to today. Go to smallbusinessorigin.com. Their guest profiles are right there. You can interact with them directly, see their links, all the things we talked about on the show today, the, the links that you need to find in order to check out Process Street, you can find those in the show notes nice and easy below where we're talking right now, whether you're listening on YouTube, you know, um, Apple's podcast app or Spotify, wherever you're listening, the show notes have all of those clickable links for you. But if you head over to smallbusinessorigin.com, there's a lot more there that you can do, including signing up for our newsletter and supporting the show in other ways. So that's it for us. It's been another great week, another great episode with an amazing entrepreneur and another amazing product. Can't thank you enough for it. We'll see you on the next one. And as always, stay beefy, my friends. Perfect.